0: Are you like me? Do you love maniacal laughter? That just sounds like that had to be fun to do in the studio. <laughs> it had to be. Or or they were just completely you know, The blissed.
1: producer was like, "No, no, you have to do that again."
0: <laughs> They're like, "Okay,
1: cool. we got on to the first take, but you really have to do that again."
0: <laughs> Welcome to Sip, Smoke, and Savour. It is the uh, radio program that's all about the good life. This is the show where we talk about craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. And really anything else that's on our mind. But that's what's usually on our mind. So, uh, you know, it, it works out pretty I'm well. i thinking that way. about it right now. Yeah, as a matter of fact. Uh, Ian uh, Barry is here. Uh, my name is Cruz. Welcome to the show. And Ian, welcome to you. It's good to see you. I haven't seen you since last night. So it's it good to has see you. been since last night <laughs> where
1: we had a cigar. And yeah. we actually sip, smoked, and savored. And savored. Yeah, yeah so that, that was pretty was, awesome. That was a good yeah. time.
0: <laughs> so, um, welcome to the show. We have some interesting things going on today. Uh, Ian and I are going to tell you about a uh, pairing event that we got. To be a part of At uh, Discovery I say be a part of We partook uh, It was at the uh, Disco- at The Grove At Discovery Green mm-hmm. In uh, downtown Houston That was pretty awesome We tasted some great beer And some amazing food So uh, so we'll uh, kind of Fill you in on that And there's some Coming up in the future That we can point you towards Yeah there's a so, whole series Of yep. those coming up So we'll, t- we'll uh, tell you about that uh, We will also be tasting Some Don Moy Extra Añejo Tequila And it is uh, sitting there Looking real pretty in the bottle I'm excited about that, that is yeah. really pretty yeah. So that's coming up, we're going to uh, also taste uh, uh, Some uh, Chimay uh, Which is uh, The top of the line Chimay It's, it's cooling in the fridge now, so uh, we're looking forward to that, and we got uh, all kinds of things to tell you about craft beer production numbers uh, for the first half of 2016. What's happening in the craft whiskey world? The distillers are banding together and working on something. And speaking of banding together, the uh, there's a number of different cigar organizations banding together to try and fight this FDA restriction, which is about to uh, go into place here. So it's all happening, and we'll have uh, details all uh, coming up on all of it really. As as the show rolls out today so, so welcome Nice to have you man Man how have you been this week I have been uh, I've been really good actually It's been a very busy week So I have not had Time to do that Slow down And, and you know Really enjoy a cigar And just Just totally chill I've done it a I did it a couple of times. I didn't have a chance to do that as much as I wanted
1: to. I had 3 times this week where oh. I sat down and just
0: smoked a cigar and did not much. That was nice. Yeah, that's nice. Now I'll smoke a number of cigars a week, but the the times that I get to do nothing else while I'm smoking one other than maybe just like hang with you or or you know, uh, just nothing more than conversation. Those are the ones that I really look forward to because that's when it's all about. All right. Well, I think
1: know. I think uh, you having a balcony that you can work on helps with that as well. Well, yes, because I'll if sit I, out
0: there and I'll do. I'll, I'll be on the computer and I'll have a cigar. But it's not the same. I'm telling you. If I do that,
1: same. my workshop will smell like a cigar pretty quickly.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's why I love the balcony <laughs> office. It's a it's a wonderful thing, and it's uh, it's why it's why I had to have a place with a balcony. I was like, I got to have an office, you know. So, uh, but anyway, but I've, I've I've had a good week, and I did. Uh, uh, I, I smoked something interesting, which I'll tell you about in a minute, but I first will pose the question to you. Did you smoke anything interesting this week?
1: Yes and no. Okay. Um, so last night when we got to hang out, I had one of the hammer and sickles that we actually reviewed last week. Yes, I, I enjoyed loved enjoyed that yeah. very much. You so, liked it too. Yeah. Yes, I, I did. I, uh, uh, when you offered that, I said, you know what? He talked so much about it last time. I'm going to have to have that. So I enjoyed that a lot. Um, the no side of it is I pulled a couple of Gurkhas out of my um, – out of my Humidor this week I had a Gurkha Titan And realized I've had those before And I guess I really didn't thought about it that much But that is a very, to me, a very kind of mediocre cigar Really? It's not bad It's uh, It was certainly at a good price point um, But it just fell a little flat on me, I think um, Overall It wasn't bad I did not enjoy it mm-hmm. But there was nothing outstanding about it And if it's in a grab bag I think it's one of those that I'll have again It's a big Maduro uh, yes. Which I usually generally like, but it didn't. Before, yeah. It didn't have a big silky smoke, and it didn't. You know, it just was a cigar, and and that was okay too because right. that's still a good time to sit down and have a beer with it and everything else. Uh, but uh, but I wasn't blown away by it, so not you know not a bad it's cigar.
0: A, it's not one where you
1: are calling me up going,
0: dude, you got to try one of
1: these. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't feel like taking a bunch of pictures of it and everything. And the other one I had that was almost exactly the same thing, only a slightly smaller cigar was. Um. Uh, was earlier in the week, and it was a oh, I'm blanking on it right now.
0: Um, it was wasn't Victor it good, Sinclair. Oh, he's a Victor Sinclair. Yeah, okay, sorry, it was gotcha. a
1: Victor Sinclair. I should have wrote that down so I wouldn't hesitate on that it was a victor sinclair and again i found that with the victor sinclair's at their price point they're a pretty okay cigar but that's that goes into my lawnmower cigar kind of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, uh that's an air quotes lawnmower cigar you guys can hear that out there
0: dog walkers some right yeah them. dog
1: walkers yeah i mean that's you know you're not thinking about it so much you're just kind of sitting there you know and I, I think i was playing a video game on my ipad while i smoked it and that was fine <laughs> i had to relight relight it about halfway through and and fix a run on it, but but still just a nice cigar. I don't think I have more than a couple dollars into it anyway. Plants versus zombies? <laughs> Actually, I was playing Hill Climb. Oh, okay. That works. <laughs> but Plants versus Zombies, I've been I've
0: been lost in that vortex before. Yes. yes. Um I I was going to ask you, <clears throat> you know, these cigars, obviously not every cigar is going to be a home run out of the park, you know, crazy good cigar, but you can still enjoy them on another level. How do you have you got in your head any kind of formula for like, you know, this cigar is okay, it's not as good as those, but I don't have a problem with it because I only paid X amount of dollars.
1: My brain does an immediate price versus quality uh-huh. calculation on almost everything that that passes through it, okay? Okay, so, so, so like, not just cigars, but yeah, no, It doesn't matter. It's beer, it's cigars, and those kind of things. You know, like uh, just about anything, even tools, you know, right. whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. if, uh, for instance, in a cigar, if I have a $2 cigar that i enjoy tremendously that goes pretty high on the price versus right. quality scale. Right. If i have one that i paid $10 for and it's only average, that gets kind of a low rating. Mm-hmm. Even I'm though good. it may be a better cigar than the $2 cigar.
0: Right. But if I didn't you put pay them side by side it's right. better, but you paid it enough that you had right. a higher level of expectations. So right. That's happened to me sometimes. <clears throat> with some of the, you know, super premium cigars, the ones that are in that 10 and $12 range, right. where I've smoked them and I'm like, you know, this is good, but it's not as good as the $4 cigar I had the other day. Right. And not because the
1: quality of the cigar isn't as good, but because the price difference doesn't justify mm-hmm. it in, in my own mind, you know, that that right. to me is kind of the difference. Right. So. I
0: understand. I understand completely. So that's
1: my own mental scale. It's It's kind of like if you buy a cheap tool that you're only going to use once that's fine. And what did you call you that, know. the price versus... Price versus quality price scale. Price versus quality I, I, scale. I think I just made that up. But.
0: Let's You know what, let's uh, uh, service mark that, because I think that's a really good thing to do. We should we should talk about, uh, when we're talking about anything on the show, the cigars, the uh, uh, tequila we're going to have later on, the price versus quality scale is an important way for, I think, people to know... It, 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 If they give a damn what we think about any of these things, it might be good. Like, this is really good. Like, I'll give you an example. I was at uh, the Specs in downtown Houston um, a week or two ago. And they were doing that thing that I love about Specs, where they're sampling stuff all over the store. <laughs> That's I like mean, a free party. Oh, it's the best, man. and it's even better, by the way, when they have the wine and cheese week, because then they're sampling like tons of stuff. You can't even you can't even get in there to buy right. anything practically because they're sampling. But anyway, they were sampling stuff. So I, so I was walking past the uh, uh, you know the sampling display, and the guy, of course, doing his job behind the counter says, uh, "Excuse me, sir, would you like to try some cognac?" And I was like, "Well, sure. I mean, I'm not a big cognac guy. I probably wouldn't go and buy a cognac unless I was like trying to like make sure I had one in the bar, you know, like for a party or something, but for myself, I probably wouldn't go buy a cognac. I'd just I'd do a tequila or a rum or a whiskey or whatever, but I thought, yeah, sure, it's a, it's a sample. Why mm-hmm. not? Uh, and in the past when I'd had cognacs, I'm like, yeah, I get it. That's that's good and it's cool. But it's the same reason I don't you know drink sherry all the time. You right, know, it's like. Right. So I tasted this cognac and I almost <laughs> fell down. It was so. <laughs> Good. It was unbelievably good. And I'll have to call the picture up on my phone because I took a picture of the bottle. Uh, But I started talking to the guy and he's like, Yeah, and this is our so and so. And it's like really special. I'm like, Man, that's amazing. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I may have to buy a bottle of this and we will uh, bring it on the show and and sample, uh, you know, and and do the show sample. So I was about ready to do that when I discovered. This is where you learn why you're not a big cognac drinker. That's right. I discovered that the cognac was $129 <laughs> per bottle. And so I went, "You know, I think we'll try this uh $12 rum over here." <laughs> you know. So, uh but anyway, it was it was great and th- it was fantastic. It was one of the best things I sampled like that the whole week and yet because of the price You got to almost put an asterisk by it. You got to go. This is really good, but you're going to really pay for it if you, you know, if you do it. And I'm not suggesting it isn't worth it. I'm just saying that's again the price versus quality scale. So we're going to have to uh, institute that. I'm going to vote that you buy a bottle of that so I can try it. (laughs) Uh, You know, maybe this is the time when we should mention that if you'd like to give. Uh, to the show to keep our uh, libation, uh, you know, closet uh, full. It helps keep the uh, conversation interesting too. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't be soliciting donations. However, if you want to send us something to sample, that's cool. Because that was the whole reason for, as we've uh, Openly admitted here on the program, that the entire Reason for starting it in the first place Was samples. Samples. Yeah, that's samples. that's What we're all about. That goes so, for uh, cigars And
1: uh, libations. Yes,
0: yes So I had a cigar this week That uh, I thought was Amazing on the Price versus quality scale To use your, your term here awesome. uh, So I'm going to tell you about that when we come back We also have, uh, there's a lot of stuff To talk about today. We're going to do a Cigar 101 segment, and that's where We go to like the very basics of Cigar smoking and talk about something like You know how to fill a butane Lighter correctly how to light A cigar correctly in fact that's going to be today's Cigar 101 so we'll go through The steps and some of you guys that are Listening you already know this stuff but it's Always great to kind of brush up on it I had to Go like to uh, YouTube uh, The other day and just check because I was having trouble getting my lighters filled correctly So uh, I had to go what am I doing Wrong am I missing a step and I went and do So that's what this will be designed for we can talk through uh, how to light a cigar properly. That'll be today's Cigar 101. Plus, there's new Rocky Patel's coming, and I got details on That's it. That's so. pretty exciting. So, we'll talk about that as well as some news from American craft whiskey distillers. It's all coming up. This is Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Ian Barry, I'm Cruz. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. Sip, smoke, and savor is the name of the show. We're all about craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. My name is Cruz, my partner, Ian Barry. Um, And so before the break, I was going to tell you about my uh, sort of interesting thing that I smoked this week, the one that that stood out to me the most. And it was interesting in you brought up the price versus quality scale, and that really applies uh, to this cigar that I had because when I smoked it, I had no idea what the price was and didn't really know anything about it except I knew that it came from the... uh J. Pepin Garcia uh, family of cigars. Which is pretty quality
1: yeah, overall. We, yeah, it?
0: those guys are always knocking it out of the park, and yeah. their average cigar price is probably between like $8 and $15 for uh, a cigar. So I had gotten uh, through uh, one of the mail-order places that I go from time to time for cigars. I would gotten a sampler pack of uh, J. Pepin Garcia, um, a sampler a sampler of their different cigars. So it had the My Father, and it had the... Uh, um, you know a couple of the other things, and this was in there as well. It was a TB, which stands for Tobacco's Baez, uh, Siri SF Robusto, and it was. Did I get that wrong? I, I see you writing me a note. Did I? Did I get the? Uh, uh, oh, Don Pepin, you are so right. I think that's. I think that's right. Don Pepin Garcia. Anyway, I wasn't totally going to interrupt Pep- you. Pepin. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm probably. I'm probably. I'm probably not pronouncing it right. Anyway. I'm familiar with these cigars uh, from having had them before, but I hadn't had the TB Siri SF Robusto. And it turns out well, the first thing I should tell you is that it was the best cigar I had all week. It was fantastic. Like, it was the one where I got to, like, just sit down and enjoy it. I was on the balcony. I was watching the lights. I was watching planes, you know, flying in and, and headed towards the airport and stuff. It was just like that. Really wonderful moment, but the flavor was so nice. It was, uh, you know, cedar, some pepper, some coffee notes. It just had this wonderful complexity, uh, medium-bodied, wonderful complexity. Um, And I didn't find out until I I, I thought, I'm going to mention that cigar on the show today. And I went and looked up some information about it, and I discovered the Sirius F Robusto S.F. stands for short filler. It was a sandwich cigar. Hmm. And what they call sandwich cigars, that's what they call them when, you know, in the, uh, in the cigar factory... One of the things they do is they clip the leaves as they're using them mm-hmm. to roll certain shapes and sizes. And so some of the clippings wind up being too short to be used in a long filler cigar. So those are saved. It might be really good quality tobacco, but they're shorter than the normal leaves that are, right. that are rolled into cigars. So these short leaves... Um, wind up getting rolled into what they call sandwich cigars or short filler cigars, and those are always much cheaper to buy, Part of the reason is they don't necessarily burn as well uh, because it's not a, long filler right, is what you're right. you know what you're looking for and that can also impact the flavor even though it might be really good quality cigars the way it burns might make it not be as good as those tobacco leaves were in a much uh you know much more long filler type of cigar so they usually you can pick these up relatively cheap and I didn't realize this because it was just one of the cigars in this sampler pack that yeah, was so it like I didn't, a grab bag right, kind of thing I didn't know I was smoking. The cheapy, basically, and would not have known by the experience. I mean, we—I had no problems with the burn. Uh, I—it was, you know, full complex flavors, and I knew that it was made at the my father cigars factory in Nicaragua. What I didn't know is this retails for about two fifty. That's fantastic. Maybe three dollars, depending on you know where you're shopping and what their taxes and stuff are. So my thought was. This may be, like, one of the best $3 cigars I've ever had. See, that goes high on the scale. Yes, high on the price price versus versus quality quality scale. scale. So even if I'm going overboard on this a little, and you know how it is, sometimes... Like you smoke a cigar, you go. That's one of the best I've ever had. And then maybe you have another one later, and it's good, but it's not quite as good as you remembered. Uh, so even if that's the case, I'm saying I-, I got room for error here. Get some of these because the price versus quality scale like totally works out. Yeah, if they're I- that good at that price, I would say if you're if you were rating this on a scale of one to ten, I would call the cigar an eight and a half. But the price versus quality scale would be a ten plus. You know, nice. it just that's that's how good it was for the amount of money. And what was great. From my experiences, I didn't even know I was smoking a cheapie, so I didn't have that brain adjust that you do where you right. go, wow, oh, this is pretty good for a cheapie. I was assuming it was no, at this that is same just price point and right, as right. the other uh, Pepin uh, cigars. So uh, I, th- I thought it was really terrific, and I was, uh, was very—in fact— I went back to see if there was another one in the sampler pack, and there wasn't. And I was bummed. You only got one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go. That's so, how they. That's how
1: they get you. They give you well, one.
0: That is true. Most of the sampler packs that you see from the online uh, cigar um, uh, places, and there's nothing bad about this. Just, just something to be aware of. You'll see a handful of the cigars that you know are retailing for more than. What the average cost of the cigar in that sampler pack will be? You might be paying an average of five bucks per stick in the sampler pack, but you may see some cigars in there that you know are eight nine dollars if you were to buy them individually. How do they do that? Well, they also throw in a couple that are you know a couple of dollars or $3 mm. or whatever so it, it you know they're able to use it to even things out so that they're not you know so that they can offer you a decent price for the for the sampler and that's fine uh, for me it's always a way to feel like you know I always whenever i go into the cigar stores and you know when i start getting up at that $10 like price point I start to get real, like, I don't know if I want to pay $11 for that. Right, I start getting getting
1: to be a weary shopper at (laughs) that point.
0: It's a a mental thing, and I don't know why. Like, I, I have no problem with it if it's fantastic, you know, but... That's that's when you start going. Well, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to take as big of a chance on right. this. What if it's not?
1: You know. Great? You know what I find though? Uh, like I have some of those uh, cigar club memberships mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they just send you
0: three or five cigars. Right. You get one. like a cigar of the month type thing. And yeah, yeah,
1: and it's just a grab bag, and you never know what's going to be in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like and that. That's fun because I've tried cigars that I like. I've only read about, and I'm going. Hmm, that doesn't sound like something I'd like. And I found that wow, that's a really really because nice cigar. Got
0: it. In your sample, right because i had and i had
1: it right there in my hand and um you know uh and i found some really nice cigars that way so Mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun just to get the different variety because if i'm left to my own devices i'll walk in and i'll just buy gigantic maduros Mm
0: -hmm. all day long see (laughs) i I
1: understand this i really (laughs) do they'll all be like 50 plus ring gauge they'll all be like six inches or
0: longer and they'll all
1: be maduros
0: uh I was just saying I'll mention and none of these guys is a sponsor or pays us a penny or anything like that. So this this is just for information purposes. But um the three Cigar of the Month clubs that I'm aware of, uh there is one at Cigars International. Yep. Uh there is one at Cigar dot com. Yes. It's different. I think those two companies are like sister companies, but their programs are separate. Mm-hmm. Uh so they're so they're not the same. Uh, it's not the same cigars that you're getting if you happen to join both of them. Uh, and then JR Cigar has yep. one. Yep. And, That's uh, the three that um, come up to my head. Uh, so those are the ones we know of. By the way, if you know of another one, we'd love to share that knowledge with people and maybe even join their Cigar of the Month Club. So, right. Uh, so send us an email. Our email address is sip, smoke, and savor. The word and is, it's all one word. The word a A-N-D d and is in there. Sip, smoke, and savor at gmail.com. Not ampersand. Right. And. Yeah, not the not the and sign, but just uh, sip, smoke, and d savor. So, uh, so send us an email. We would love to hear from you on any topics that we uh, discuss here on the show. By the way, uh, so Ian, uh, last week you and I went to a pretty cool uh, event, and we didn't know going into it whether it was going to be cool or kind of lame, or we just didn't know. So it was it was it was interesting that
1: at the Grove on Discovery Green in mm-hmm, in Houston, Houston downtown, yep. right in front of the George R Brown, and. Um, and the we Grove walked, is a restaurant, we yeah, should the gro- say. Sorry, the Grove that is a know. restaurant yeah. at the Discovery Green, yes. And they've got a big outdoor uh, deck area, which is very nice. Nice deck yeah. upstairs, mm-hmm. very nice. And um, and we walked in, and we went upstairs, and there was nobody there. The oh, yes, I remember that. We walked, it was you and me and your wife, and we walked in with the only three people in the place. Right, and they're still setting up, and, and, and it's right about time where the, uh, the event was scheduled to start, and it was pretty funny because... You know, I had the feeling like, is this is this event, is this event going to flop? Is it going to be right? You know, just us, which is okay too, because you know I can enjoy situations like <laughs> sure, I'm the only person there, <laughs> probably get a few a extra beer. beers that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so anyway, we went through the line. We got our beers. We spoke with the Goose Island was the beer that was, it was the, featured uh, beer, yes. the featured beer. Yes, featured beer there, and uh, and they had a food pairing. You get four four ounce glasses for samplers of four different mm-hmm. uh, beers. And
0: uh, and they had a very nice selection there, and then the food was being that was being paired with was uh, made by the chefs at the Grove uh, right. restaurant. So it was so it was really a nice uh, you know meeting of two different things that kind of came together uh, you know sort of as a mutual agreement. And I'll just say. I thought they did a great job. Not a single, yeah, not a single disappointment. Yeah. So, and the rep for uh, Goose
1: Island was such a nice guy. Trevor was his. Trevor, yeah, he was such a nice guy. He was such a fun person. We're going to see about getting him on the show as soon as we can. Talk
0: to him about it. He's excited about coming on the show. Goose Island is out of Chicago, Mm -hmm. and they make some really incredible beers. Four of which we were able to sample. Let me me run that down. I have that list in front of me. We had the Green
1: Line, which I love. One of my favorite go-to session beers. uh, Yeah. Beers, yeah, and that was really good. I hadn't tried it before, that was really nice. Uh, we had the Matilda, which is one of their uh, uh older style ales, uh, and we can explain that mm-hmm. a little bit. They had the Goose IPA,
0: which I like that as well. Of course, one, you know, I'm an IPA guy, so right, yeah.
1: and I've had that before, that's a nice IPA.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we had the Sophie, which was my personal favorite. Now, the Sophie was the most interesting of all the beers. Yes, I don't know the if it was my ale. favorite. But it certainly was the most that interesting. That was my favorite out of those, now they hands paired, down. they paired these with different foods, and we'll tell you a little bit more uh, about this coming up in the next segment. But uh, just so you know, the Sophie was paired with a tres leches cake, so uh, with cardamom and uh, cinnamon and, oh, boy was it good yeah that completely was not allowed on my diet and I ate it anyway so that's uh, <laughs> that's how amazingly good it was so uh, so we'll tell you a little bit more about those food pairings and the reason we want to mention this is because they've got some more of these events We've coming got a up whole series and of we ha- them. we had such a good time we wanted to uh, to let you know so you guys could check them out as well if you're in the Houston area so uh, it's sip smoke and saver and we'll be back with the next sec coming up yeah. To sip, smoke, and savor. I love that swanky music. That that does it for me every time. It's Uh, got a beautiful little sleaze in it. Yes, it it does. It's uh, just spectacular. Uh, It's sip, smoke, and savor. Cruz and Ian Berry, and we are the show that's talking about uh, craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. We were talking about a beer tasting event that Ian and I uh, attended together, uh, along with Ian's lovely wife Tiffany, and uh, it was called Sundown at the Grove. And it was at the Grove Restaurant at Discovery Green, downtown Houston. We were over there last week. It was really good, and we decided we were going. We liked it enough that we felt like the uh, the price versus quality scale was uh, was good. It was very high, and uh, yes, yeah, so we thought that's that's good. Let's go back again. And then I thought, you know, we should share this with people because people. Uh, that are in the Houston area might want to come to this, and it's it's really, really totally worth it. Yeah, they it.
1: they have a whole series of these coming up uh, all all the way through August. So I'll run that off real quick. I have the schedule in front of me. Starting August 10th, they're going to have Carbach, mm. and again, they're going to have the brewery come in with their uh, with their beers, and then the chef at the grove, the chefs at the Grove will will uh, pair, uh, pair those, yeah. do the pairings, and then they work together on that. Uh, let's see. That's August tenth is Carbach. Then August seventeenth will be Spinal Tap, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great name. Great um, name. I don't know anything about him, but uh, well, I know I know what it's based on, obviously. <laughs> and then uh, August to eleven, August twenty fourth is apparently IPA night.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And then uh, August 31st, that will be the last of them, will be the best of Sundown at the Grove. Sundown ah, at the Grove is what they're calling that's this That's what the whole series event. is. Yeah. Right. Nice. And so I guess they'll have a best of, and I definitely want to be there for uh, wow. some of those. Yes, for sure. So, uh, so Maybe you, all of them.
0: And you can buy tickets at the door. You don't have to buy them in advance. Yeah. You can just yeah. uh, show up. And uh, we should mention, because Ian started uh, saying this uh, about our visit there, uh, as saying that we walk in there was nobody there. Yeah, there wound yeah, up yeah. being a great crowd. Yeah, actually
1: yeah. it it turned out to be a fun. We got in there and we got our uh, we got our drinks and we got our food and we chatted with the uh, the rep and um and sat down at a table and within the next Man, it didn't take long. Within the next twenty minutes, the place had a really nice crowd. It Mm -hmm. wasn't too hard to get through. You know, wasn't bumping into people the whole time. It was a really nice, jovial crowd. Like the whole vibe there was fantastic.
0: Well, we will have uh, Trevor from Goose Island, who we met there. We will have him on uh, the show probably within the next few weeks. Trevor. Uh, is very passionate about his beer, and I love that. It reminded me of uh, Mike from Goliad, who we had on a couple of weeks. ago. Uh, Mark, Goliad, I'm sorry, yeah. Mark from Goliad, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, so passionate about his beer very that much was just so. so cool, and and a very cool guy too.
1: Right. And before we move on, I just want to mention some of the pairings that we came across last night. So they, oh, had, the, yes. they had the Green Line, which was a session beer, which was really good, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, they paired a golf oyster shooters. Uh, basically, it was a shot glass with a. Oyster in it and a house hot sauce and then rimmed with a citrus
0: celery salt. Uh, You know, almost like
1: you were doing uh like like tequila shots or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like low end tequila shots. It it was
0: almost like a bloody mary shot. Yeah, it really was really good. I went
1: back for many of those. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, Then they had the the Matilda and um, the Matilda is one of the um one of the Goose Island uh, ales that. I also enjoy. Do you remember what style that was? You know,
0: I believe it was a um, uh, like a classic golden ale. Is that is that what it was? No, I. You know what? I I I should have done my homework. Pulling it up right now. So so I will say this: it was they were they gave them to us kind of in order of uh, complexity. So the green line, which they started with, is is more like a session ale. Then they worked up to the Matilda. Then it was the IPA, and then oh. the uh, is it this a, is right? This is a Trappist song? ale. Oh, it's a Trappist, a Trappist. That's that's ale. Right. That's because what I was trying to. I couldn't bring it up. It had. In fact, we're going to be sampling a Trappist ale a little bit later on the show. One of the uh, really good Chimay ales that I've actually had before, but we'll see. This is this is
1: show. that's one of the uh, Goose Island classifies as one of their vintage ales, mm-hmm. and it's that's good. Their, it's, it's their Trappist really ale,
0: and I thought they paired it up with this. Uh, pork belly thing you can probably yeah yeah the it pork belly did, but al wow. pastor
1: uh and they were sopas they were just
0: small sopas, and they were topped with uh, a pickled pineapple oh my god that was good yeah those and are then pretty amazing. so it was interesting you talk about pairing and this is why I thought the chefs at the Grove did such a great job because I sampled that beer and it was very good and then I ate the uh the pork belly on the soap and then I had another drink of the beer and and it's like all these flavors came all out of the, the beer that there. I had not noticed the first time, and that's what I'm like. Oh man, this, we got to talk about this on the show because this is what it's about. It's like learning how to like really enjoy and savor no pun intended uh, the the foods and the beers and the spirits and so on. So
1: well, and the sales tend to be uh, a little bit sweet anyway. So mm-hmm. I think one of the geniuses of that is the pastor has a little sweet, and the pineapple has a little sweet to it, and. Uh, and so that blend blends well with the Ale, but because that sweet taste is already in your mouth, when you retry that beer, you get all the other flavors that you may uh, that that may have been masked by the sweetness right, in the right. first place, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and that uh, really punches through. That's really so. Then uh, it was the IPA, and the IPA was actually <laughs> I thought I looked at it and, and thought, okay, just as a meat and potatoes kind of a guy, this will be my least favorite dish of the evening. Uh, was the kale salad
1: Right How, uh, how You know How uh,
0: Now is that I guess Yeah Oh it's, it's a very Yeah it's very hip <laughs> Gotta I have get kale
1: a, salad But Hipster That's the word I was It was very, very hipster. hipster Yeah
0: But I gotta tell you It was the best kale salad I've ever had It was fantastic as a matter of fact I went back and for seconds on that Yeah Yeah it. I mean They, they had uh, shrimp in it And uh, as I sort of noted uh, And said to you When we were having the salad and both commenting about how good it was, I said, you know, the golden rule here, whether you're dealing with kale or any other food substance, is if you put bacon on something... It will be pretty it instantly better. Yes, yes, right. And, and so this had a little piece of bacon, and it oh, had
1: some great. spice to it as well. It had a, a grapefruit and habanero, charred grapefruit and habanero salsa with really, it. It really well really, made. Yeah, it was really
0: nice. And paired with the beer, just the, the pairings were outstanding. Yeah, paired with the beer, just wonderfully. The IPA, a little crisper, a little more uh, bitter, and so it worked just perfectly with this uh, with the salad and, and the shrimp. It was great. Uh, and then the last one I mentioned in the last segment was Tres Leches Cake, and it was with the uh, Matilda, which was the no, that was with the Sophie. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, with the Sophie. The Matilda so- was right. the second one. Sophie was the last one. Sophie was the uh, the most complex of all the beers. It's
1: a Belgian style pale ale, uh, and it's it's kind of a uh, farmhouse kind of ale. Right. And man, those those are right up my alley. I love those uh, I love those styles of ales because of the complexity and the flavor and everything. And, uh, and they paired it with the trace Leches cake, and it was just outstanding. And what was interesting is when you had it by itself, again, like like you spoke with, uh, about earlier, it had a, a flavor on its own. Then after you tried it with the cake, you really got the citrusy flavors mm-hmm, afterwards that mm-hmm. you weren't expecting out That's of it.
0: That's right. And they were so prominent. They just worked well together. Well, Ian, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, and if I am, just... We'll move on. We'll come back to this another time, but what exactly makes an ale a farmhouse ale? Do You, you know, know, I'll have to look more into that, but okay. I do enjoy them. Yeah, I, I like uh, this ale very much, the Sophie, and I've had a couple of other farmhouse ales that I really like, but I don't quite have an understanding of what makes it a farmhouse ale. Maybe if you know, uh, you can email us. Uh, it's uh, sip, smoke, and savor at gmail.com. Give us an easy explanation we can uh, share. I think with we'll have so, to
1: do uh, a series on different stuff styles, just explaining what makes each style, that would probably be helpful to our listeners too. Well,
0: the Goose Island beer was terrific. I really enjoyed all four of the beers. And um, they are a brewery that started in Chicago in 1988. So they have been doing the craft beer thing since kind of the earlier days, I guess, of uh, of They make a
1: 312 that you have been a fan of for a long time. Yes. And
0: I I actually asked Trevor about this uh, last night because I was a big fan of the 312. It was a pale ale, and I started having trouble finding it, and I've come to discover that they've sort of put out the Green Line uh, pale ale in its place, and now you can only get the 312 pale ale in Chicago. So you're going to have to travel. So I'm gonna, yes, a, a trip is in the works, so <laughs> I'll be looking forward to that. Craft Beer Production, a little uh, uh, bruise in the news here. Craft Beer Production grew by an estimated 8% in the first half of 2016, according to the Brewers Association. That does mark a slowdown, though, uh, from a rate of 13% in 2015. So it was 13 last year, first half of 2016 was 8%. According to Bart uh, Watson, the Brewers Association's chief economist, he says we're entering a period of maturation that often takes place in industries as the base gets larger and he says craft beer is nowhere near saturation in most markets but because the base is getting larger it makes the percentage of growth slow down is, is, is essentially what he's saying because the base that you're comparing the percentage against is much bigger than it used to be now, that's um, an interesting way of looking at the it. crafts uh, while crafts percentage growth has slowed though The number of craft breweries, this is how you know it's still growing like wildfire, continues to surge. As of June the 30th, the Brewers Association counted 4,656 breweries operating in the United States. That's up from a year earlier That's nine hundred and seventeen more breweries in one year. I need to look up the the number. I'm wondering
1: what that would be compared to since, uh, like, say, 1990. Yeah,
0: and this doesn't say that's just amazing. But it does say that another two thousand two hundred breweries are in planning stages across the U.S. So we've got forty six hundred fifty six now, and another twenty two hundred are all going to be opening at some time in the reasonably near future. They're all in the planning stages. So that's that's crazy. And it does let you know, I mean, obviously, I I think what this... Sort of calls to my mind is If you're a more heritage Craft brewer, say a Sam Adams Or a Shiner, somebody who's been doing this For a while St. Arnold I think would go in there too Does that mean that you are Facing so much increased competition Like what do you do to stay uh, relevant So that's something we'll have to ask our beer guys Including Trevor from Goose Island When we have him on uh, That'll be coming up in a subsequent week Okay, coming up in the next segment Cigar 101 makes its debut here On on uh, Sip Smoke and Savor. We're going to talk about how to properly light a cigar. Nice and easy. We'll uh, bring it to you next. It's Sip Smoke and Savor on Radio Brave. Listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor, the program that's about craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. It's a show about the good life. And uh, we've just been talking about our uh, visit to Sundown at the Grove and how good it was. And uh, it makes me think good life. Like these are the things that when I do them, I'm like really happy with myself. I'm like this is what I want to be doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I want to do more of this. And we call stuff. it research. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. Absolutely. R and D, research and development, my friend. Now you know
1: you mentioned uh, that we were going to speak about how to light a cigar in this segment. Yep. I want to do that, but before we get to that. Uh, I'm getting thirsty and I want to
0: try this tequila that you brought, this beautiful bottle that is staring at me. I tell you what, and we'll put a picture of this on our Facebook page once that's all up and going. It may be actually by the time you hear this. We are hoping so, but we'll give you specific uh, directions uh, hopefully by next week on how to get there. So, uh, in any case, uh, this beautiful bottle of Don Moy uh, extra añejo tequila. This, I don't know too much about these. I looked up some information and, you know, I saw a couple of reviews, but there's not a lot of information I couldn't even find a Don Moy website, believe it or not they do have a they do have a Facebook page. I looked on it and it was a lot of like uh, uh, pictures of pig roasts and stuff <laughs> on, their, on their Facebook page. Uh, but I uh, bought this bottle of tequila at specs and one of the reasons i was looking i was looking for a tequila for us to sample and show cuz we hadn't done one yet and here we are episode number 5 and we hadn't done a tequila and i'm like that's some sort of crime against nature so we have to correct that and uh, so i'm a tequila i really love tequila so I went to uh, I went to try uh, look for something to try that that I hadn't tried before. And I was trying to choose between several things. And one of the reasons that I got the Don Moy is because for an extra Añejo, it was pretty reasonably. Uh, price. More like in the price range, you would find uh, just an Añejo uh, tequila from most other uh, tequila companies. A lot of times, if they put the word extra on there, you're going to be paying like 80, 90, 100 bucks for the bottle. And this wasn't anywhere near that. So uh, so I thought it'd be good to try. And so uh, thank you, Ian, for pouring us some, uh, some samples here. Let's give this a shot before we start with our Cigar 101 and it automatically. It ought to make that segment more interesting. It <laughs> would we'll definitely make that segment much more. Well,
1: you know, sometimes it's good to brush up on the uh, on the uh, beginnings, you know, on the, yes. the
0: easy stuff. Well, I am a big fan of uh, premium tequilas. Really like the Añejos and the Extra Añejo. And basically, on for tequila, the way that they break up the classes is by how long the tequila is aged. So by the time you get to Extra Añejo, this spends more time in a barrel... Aging than any of the previous. There's usually gold or blanco or reposado or, um, uh, or añejo. And each of these has different, like, time limits that it has to be aged in order to qualify to be called that. And extra añejo is actually a new category. It's only been around for about the past couple of years. And it just signifies no, even further No one further, could hold on to their tequila that long. Even further. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. It signifies even further aging. And it also, It says something about the explosion actually in premium tequilas because if you go back, um, you know, even 10, 12 years, you wouldn't find nearly as many premium tequilas in the tequila aisle uh, at uh, Specs or or wherever you're shopping. You would find a lot of, you know, maybe Cuervo and Patron and, you know, those three or four really well known brands.
1: Tequila is also a victim of just having a cool bottle sometimes. Yes. uh, Which is. You know, on its own, the cool factor is sometimes, you know, enough to make me buy something. But,
0: well, yes. When I think I,
1: they're starting to fill it with better stuff now. I was
0: going to say, when I bought the, it's interesting you say that because when I bought this <laughs> bottle of Don Moy, I almost bought this very cool Day of the Dead bottle with this like torso of a skeleton and a sombrero on. I mean, it was awesome. And then I thought. You know, it's a fairly reasonable price. What if the tequila is awful? Like, uh, it, it started playing with my head, and I bought this instead. But, uh, but you know, it, it's it, it, you're right. They're getting very creative with the packaging of of tequilas, especially the premiums. And uh, so, I've just taken a sip of this, and I think it's actually very good. It's very smooth, uh, particularly particularly for an extra añejo that wasn't in the like. 70 80 90 dollar range uh, again this uh, this price to uh, uh, price versus quality scale uh, that you've got me talking about now this would rank very high I think what uh, what neighborhood was this bottle? I want to say it was about forty six. Okay, uh, I could be off on that because it's been uh, a couple weeks since I bought it, but it was. This uh, is
1: this is incredibly smooth. I have yeah. to say it's it's very easy to drink. And keep in mind, we're drinking. There's no ice. There's no shaking. Mm-hmm. There's no cold. We are drinking this, this totally room temperature. Neat. Yeah. Absolutely neat, and uh, and it's quite smooth. Quite, it's not harsh on the palate at all. Which it, it uh, leaves a little bit of warmth on the back of uh-huh. the, uh on the aftertaste and everything, which is nice. But man, this is very, very delicious. Almost like
0: now, I will say this: that uh, that is the way I like to drink uh, tequila. I like Mm -hmm. to sip it. I like to have it room temperature. But a good way to kind of prop up a less uh, exciting tequila, say something a little more pedestrian than the extra añejo Dan Moy, is to have the bartender chill the shot for you. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. does bring out some flavors in the, you know, more ordinary tequilas. Let's say uh, that that you might not get just uh, just doing a. It also
1: hides some of the some
0: of the harshness mm-hmm. on the aftertaste. Well, as this well. doesn't have any harshness. No, this on is the not aftertaste. an issue. So you don't need to chill
1: it. And you know, I'm stuck up enough when it comes to tequilas. Uh, it's not really my thing, but I'm stuck up enough when it comes to tequilas that I don't want. And I'm going to put this in air quotes so you can hear it. Training wheels. Mm-hmm. I don't need <laughs> lime and salt. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. Uh, go for that in my Listen, shots and glasses and things like that. And which excludes drinking a lot of, uh, what did you say earlier? Pedestrian or well level tequilas, yeah. I guess. Now,
0: I will admit, I went to college. So I've had those, you know. Tequila, lime, and salt nights, you know. But at the same a time, that was a while back, and <laughs> yes. you've been there and done that. Well, and my palate has changed, yes. obviously, since then. And, you know, as you get older, which I certainly am doing, uh, it really becomes more about quality and less about quantity. Yes. Uh, when it comes to uh, to drinking spirits or, or, or beers. I mean, I'd rather have one really great craft beer Than five, you know, pedestrian uh, or a six pack of pedestrian beers, you know? So, uh, so that's, I think that's what I'm gonna call them from now on. Like, I'm looking for the right way. Like, I don't wanna put those beers down, they have their place, and a lot of people really enjoy them. uh, and I've enjoyed them on plenty of occasions but... this is a great primer speech for when we
1: have our malt liquor tasting day
0: oh I'm looking forward to that so let's uh let's talk a little bit about let's do a. we want to call this segment cigar 101 because there's a number of things we might be able to do in a cigar 101 segment and today I want to talk a little bit about the proper way to light a cigar because we were having conversations in the office about it mm-hmm. and people were going well, what what do you do this so I thought this would be a perfect thing if we just break it uh, break it down so so start at the beginning, Ian. You're about to light a cigar, and you're going to do this the right way. What do you do? This is actually
1: a, a whole process, basically.
0: So you start it's, off. It's part of the religion, Of, right, of right. cigar smoking, I think. So you know?
1: from the moment you get your cigar in your hand, you have to figure out: Do you want a punch? Do you want a clip? Do you want a V cut? Mm-hmm. You know how do you want? It? Do you want to bite the end off? I have friends that actually bite the end off of their cigars, which is. A little bit barbaric, but it makes them happy, and I guess <laughs> if
0: it makes them happy, go for it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I do when there's no cutter to be found. That's what. That's the only time I would bite.
1: But <laughs> right. So, uh, so the first thing you do uh, is take, you know, make sure there's no uh, wrapper or anything on the foot mm-hmm. of the cigar. Mm-hmm. The foot is the end that you light. Um, And
0: the head is the part that's basically sealed over. That's right. That's got a
1: cap on it that you Mm -hmm. need to cut or uh, pierce, or you need some way to draw smoke through the cigar. Mm -hmm. So make sure there's no wrapper on the foot, and then at the cap of the cigar you want to either slice it or you want to uh, punch it. A punch is basically a round blade that you can put straight through the center. It just makes a, a nice, neat, circular hole. However, that need, you need to have a pretty stout cigar for that because you can tear up the cap or the end on the cigar sometimes. Mm-hmm. On those. So the gentlest way, if you don't know, is going to be a, a cigar cutter. And I have one that I bought. I think I bought it at Specs years ago, and it actually has a little guard on the back, so you can't
0: even put your cigar. You can't even put the cigar that far through it. And this thing
1: has stayed sharp. I think I've had it for 10 years, and it's
0: been sharp. Yeah, I've actually borrowed that cutter from you, and it goes snip every
1: single time, no matter what, and that's great. Now, if you have a. If you have a, a, a Torpedo, which has a pointy end on it, you have to do a few snips to get it the I was going to say, you can right still level.
0: do it, you just do it several times, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: take bites out of the end of the cigar. Yeah. So anyway, once you have that and you check the draw before you start
0: to light your cigar, well, check you your draw. You actually pull some air yeah. through the cigar so you can see what the draw is like.
1: That's right. And if it's a little tight, sometimes you can go through and snip it again. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, sometimes you'll have uh, that just clear it right up. Yeah. matter of fact, I'd say about 70% of the time that fixes it. If it's a little plugged still, you can also get a poke and put that down through the center of where you've cut.
0: Okay, so what you're doing when you, uh, if you were to poke right through the center of. Where you've cut the cigar is you're basically creating sort of an alleyway for the air and the right. smoke to travel. Right. Because when a cigar is plugged, it just means it got rolled a little too tight in mm-hmm. certain places. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it maybe the leaves are so crunched together there that it has trouble pulling the air through properly. Right. And the poke gives it an avenue to come and out. And
1: when you have a difficult draw on a cigar, it's not just uh, the unpleasantness of having the, having the difficulty of the draw. It's that mm-hmm. the cigar itself won't. Won't, uh, won't breathe properly and therefore it's not going to stay lit properly
0: and it's not going to give you it's not going to impart the flavors properly because it's not going to burn That's right it's not, burn well. right. It's, not yeah.
1: bur- it's not burning the way the cigars is designed. so you know these are these are a few things just to just before you even apply flame to the cigar mm-hmm. and that's actually a misnomer too is you don't actually apply the flame directly to the cigar
0: now this is one that i think most people get wrong if you're calling the textbook way the right way uh, most people actually put the foot of the cigar right in the flame and start puffing right and and you're not actually supposed to touch the flame because we use a torch
1: a lot of times even mm-hmm. you know even if you have a, a match whatever it is what you want to do is you want to light it from the heat beyond the flame- mm-hmm. and the first step I do is I gently roast the foot of the cigar mm-hmm before I even start to draw or light through it, I have it in my hand with the lighter and I gently just roast
0: the end you, of it. You let the heat of it actually bring flame to the cigar. Just not a little. The flame. Bit, right? just a little uh, bit. Okay. We will be back with more on this and how to use uh, cedar to light your cigar. Plus, uh, is the FDA being sued by cigar advocacy groups? We'll tell you about it coming up. Uh, Yeah, we're back. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave, the show that's about craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. We've had some craft spirits, the Danmoy Extra Añejo Tequila, which uh, we didn't go into great detail on, but it's fantastic. Delicious. Really complex, wonderful flavors. Um, I will... Confess that I've actually had a little bit of this before and I'm liking it better today than when I had it uh, before. So, uh, well, I'm actually having a little bit of beer with it and it yeah? really pairs well with the beer, too. Wow, nice. Well, now we're going to see how it pairs with some uh, Trappist ale because I'm about to open uh, our Chimay Grand Reserve ale that we brought in to taste today. Mm. With this being our final segment, we'll be tasting that. But before we get too far away from it, uh, I wanted to just get back. You were talking about. The concept of lighting a cigar, as we kind of wrap up our Cigar 101 segment here.
1: So, in the last segment, the last thing I mentioned was roasting the end of the cigar. So, mm-hmm. I don't have the cigar at my mouth right now. I have my lighter, where the flame is not quite at the end of the cigar, and I'm just gently rolling the cigar and... Just heating up the end gently, okay. If you
0: heat it enough so that the cigar actually flames up, not yet.
1: No, not okay. yet. We're just roasting the end. We just want to warm up the end of the cigar because we don't want to burn it. Kind of like when you uh, when you put food on the grill. You... That was beautiful. That was the Chimay I was opening. <laughs> that <by>. was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we don't
0: want to.
1: We don't want to just scorch it. Yeah, we want to gently heat it up, and okay. then when you do that, you end up with a better flavor.
0: And if you scorch it, you'll see it get turn. The wrapper uh, yeah, uh, will turn black. Around. Turn the black edges, real yeah, quick, uh-huh, right? Okay. We want
1: it to darken, but we want we don't want it to turn black. So okay. this is like the perfect light. You're sitting there rolling it, and you get it just warmed up, just toasted on the end, okay? And then you bring it to your mouth, and you do the same thing. You don't let the cigar you don't let the cigar lighter. And I don't care how many jets you have on your lighter, how many flames you have coming out of your lighter, (laughs) don't let them touch the actual cigar. Mm -hmm. So your cigar is hovering above and just getting the heat from it.
0: Mm -hmm. Trust me, that's plenty. not the flame.
1: The heat, not the flame, correct. And you're puffing while you're doing this and rolling the cigar gently so that Mm -hmm. you get a nice, even light. And you'll find that without the flame even touching the cigar, you'll start getting a little bit of flame at the end of some of your puffs. Now, that's what you were talking about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is the preferred method. And you go around a few times when you think you have it thoroughly lit, a lot of people will stop and look at the end and even blow on it a little bit Mm -hmm. to make sure it's thoroughly lit. Make sure it's kind of evenly lit, yes. Right. And if it's uneven, you just correct it a little bit and move on. And then you just gently puff your cigar. Now, over the next... A half inch of your cigar, you're going to puff a little more often than you have to for the rest of your cigar. But okay. for that first half inch, you want to make sure you're puffing every minute or so, just to keep it nice and lit, nice and even. Right, or that, it could go out on you because yeah. it's not quite uh, Right, because you're not, not rolling, yet, creating so. the heat in it. That's the that's if you have a cigar lighter and
0: you have a jet uh, uh, torch, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. a jet mm-hmm. torch that you're lighting it with. So Okay. So, Ian, I've read that the optimal way, like if you were in a perfect world situation and you get all the time and resources you want to light your cigar, that the single very best way to do it, and you tell me if this is true or, or just one of those silly things you read, um, the single best way to light it was not to actually light the cigar, but to first light A piece of cedar, kind of like, you know, some cigars will come wrapped in a little cedar Mm -hmm. uh, tube. Uh, Light uh, a piece of cedar or like one of those cedar tubes, get it flaming, and then use that flame from the cedar to actually warm the foot of the cigar and start the lighting process. Use a cedar split, basically. Uh And, um,
1: and, uh, I generally roll it up so it's more like a match, you know. Okay. And I will light the end until it's gentle. But this is this is the absolute preferred method because this method allows you to not only get a nice gentle light on your cigar. Now everything I told you about using a torch is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. The only problem is if there's any wind. If right, there's any right. kind of you know right. it's breeze going by, it's going to by, it's gonna yeah. be very difficult to do this. So you have to do this in a place where there's no wind, there's no, and you're not issue standing in front of the air conditioner vent. That's if you're exactly in a, yeah. right. Yeah. So that is the problem with the cedars; it does go out. So that's why we use the torches a lot of times, and it's just more convenient to keep in your pocket. Mm-hmm. But the cedar imparts not only such a gentle light; it takes much longer to light your cigar this way, which is good. That's you know that's a nice uh, way to do. It. It's a nice sacrifice of time. Um, but you also get the imparted cedar uh, burn in your uh, in your light, too, which mellows mm-hmm. out the first few uh, puffs of your cigar, your first half inch or inch of your cigar, which can be a little harsh in a lot of cigars. So this is, uh, these are a few reasons why this is the most preferred method. And yes, if you have the time, the no wind, and you happen to have the cedar uh, uh, and... Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: all that to do it with, then yeah, that is the 100% best way to do it. Okay, so I want to cover a couple of don'ts. Do not light your cigar too soon after striking the match if you are lighting your cigar with a match. Yep. and the reason for that is, and match wooden matches can be a good way to light cigars. Wooden
1: matches are fine, however,
0: you'll go through a few matches this yes. way. Yes, absolutely. And
1: usually, cigar matches are much longer.
0: I'm sorry, go mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah, but the the really most important thing to remember about the match is that when you strike that match, that's got a sulfur tip on the end of it. You do not want to get any of the flavor of that sulfur into the end of your cigar because it will stay with it for a yes. little while, and yes. it's not pleasant. It'll make it kind of uh, acrid and and sharp in a in a bad way. Yes. Uh, but all you have to do is wait a moment, because the flame will burn that sulfur right off the match, and as soon as you know, it's basically down a, you know eighth of an inch, you're good to go. You got now, most, most you matches are
1: also made of pine, which is not the cleanest and best-smelling of uh, flames either right just FYI
0: if you can get a hold of a box of cigar matches sometimes they'll be cedar, uh, the cedar uh, matches uh, made yeah. from cedar and they're and they're really one of the mm-hmm. again one of the best ways it's sort of like as long as you wait until after that sulfur's burned off it's it's just as good as lighting it with the uh, cedar uh, would you call it the cedar uh, I think they call it a split split or a yeah I believe that's what they call it something. so uh, the second don't that I want to tell you and I've seen guys do this I'm like no like I'll see a guy he'll be so proud of like uh, the you know, uh, Anniversary uh, uh, cigar that he's uh, breaking out. You know he's got you know an Opus X or he's got a, a, a you know one of the uh, Padron, uh, Padron Anniversarios. Anniversario. Right. Yeah, and and he's all proud of this cigar he's bought, and then he bends over and lights it from a candle. Do not Ew. light your cigar with Ew. the flame from a candle, even if it's a cheap cigar. If necessary, go find something else, light that from the candle, and light. Use yeah, that that's, to let that's your just cigar. burning wax going yeah. in his. Because and I love candles. We we have uh, my wife and I have candles all over the house. I like scented candles. I'm I'm very girly in that way, but I, I'm 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 okay with it. And uh, we love that kind of stuff. But I will never 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 ever light a cigar with those. Even if it's an unscented candle, yeah. you can still get a, a little bit of that waxy uh, stuff up in the cigar, and it just doesn't doesn't give you, it really it really is a flavor killer. So there's your cigar one on one. And speaking of flavor, by the way, I have just poured us. Um, some of this Chimay Grand Reserve Ale And I'll just say it this way I've had a number of different Chimays This is the expensive one <laughs> This is the one that this If one you're smells. seeing them lined up in the store This is the one that's going to cost the most I think it's around $14 a bottle yeah, So this you one can smells get them for like 8 $9 a bottle So I think this fruity is 14, just, like, so.
1: just smelling it right off so, the nose It smells so fruity so and delicious the
0: Grand Reserve Ale It's a nice dark Trappist Ale And Chimay is like I've, I've found that like A lot of, um, a lot of people that are not even like hugely into beers have heard of Chimay and have maybe tried yeah. it. It's got it's got a great reputation as being a place to go when you want a little something extra. Well and, and they deserve that
1: They deserve that reputation because every beer they make I don't I
0: don't know of one that they make that's less than outstanding. Uh, the registered trademark Trappist, it says on the bottle, certifies that this ale was brewed within the walls of an existing Trappist monastery under the control of the Trappist community. A major part of the sales revenue is is used by the monks to support charitable works, and the exceptional yeast is isolated by Father Theodore. So there you go. Nice. <laughs> uh, so what do you think? You've taken a, a taste history of this? behind it. Yeah, you've taken a taste of this uh, Trappist Ale, the uh, Grand Reserve Ale from Chimay. What do you think?
1: I'm sorting out the flavors
0: right now. I've mm-hmm.
1: got... So much fruit in it. There's, yes, there's it's a very and, – and not fruit in not a – Not citrusy.
0: Yeah, and also not fruit in that way like if you had like a blueberry, uh, blueberry or cranberry lambic no, or something no, like no. that. Just, it's not that kind very, of fruit at all. This is much more subtle.
1: You could smell that a long ways away too. Mm-hmm. It is a seven – what's mm-hmm. the percentage on that? Seven-something percent. You mm-hmm. don't barely
0: even tell. I think um, uh, I'll find this. I'll see if I can find this on the Yeah, bar, you can barely even tell. 9% alcohol Oh, it's by 9% yes.
1: even, and it doesn't taste like a 9% beer, which is No,
0: it doesn't, because usually those have a bit of a, you can t- of a kick to them. A lot of that, times you yeah. can
1: taste the alcohol in it, which is not bad. It's just part of the flavor, but, right. but, but this one having, I'm not getting that at all. I'm if you're also having
0: like a Stone uh, Imperial Ale that's got that really high alcohol content, you can tell when you're drinking it that it's a high alcohol content ale. I don't know if I'd have known this. Quite frankly, this... Doesn't feel any more high alcohol than say a Guinness. You know? No,
1: this you don't taste that very much. And uh, across the middle has a huge maltiness right in the middle of the flavor. Like mm. right at the nose and right at the beginning of this uh, drink, you get a you get a big fruity flavor, and then across the middle you get that malty, like big malty hump in the flavor that is so good. It's sweet. It's very mm-hmm. sweet. Uh, a little light carbonation in this too. Not a heavy carbonation. When you're drinking it, um, and then uh, and then as as I swallow, I get this great uh, a little bit of smoky finish on the end that really rounds out the whole thing. And it's
0: really good. Yeah, the smokiness is, is what I really yeah. like. Yeah, and leaves it yeah. really clean on the palate, too. Well, I tell you, Ian, we have had a nice full show today because there's been a whole bunch of stuff that I uh, had set aside for us to talk about that we just have not had a chance to get to. Uh, the FDA is being sued by cigar groups. There's uh, craft whiskey distillers working on uh, uh, a category for American single malts. So all of that we'll talk about on next week's show. Some yeah, we got really, our whole next show some yep, out for Some really interesting things. Plus, uh, coming up in the very near future, we will have uh, representatives from, as we talked about today, Goose Island, uh, uh, the uh, the beer company out of Chicago. They'll, uh, we'll have our, our Goose Island friend that we met uh, last week. He'll be joining us. And we also will be talking with the folks from 6th Street Bourbon, which is the bourbon that's in that really cool bottle that's the shape of a guitar. Nice. I also put an email
1: out to the guys from Eureka Heights, which is a new brewery that will be opening here Uh, in Houston as well.
0: That's great. Plus, uh, the uh, beer uh, what would you call it? The beer curator from the uh, big location of Specs in downtown Houston will be joining us. That'll be great. So we're looking forward to that. So uh, a lot of great stuff to come. We want to thank you for listening. Email us sip, smoke, and savor at gmail.com. This is Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Have a great week, everybody. Smoke them if you got them.